This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Make sure to head over to Metal Nexus for all of your news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of the Talk To Me podcast. As the week rolls on in these Rockin' Pod episodes, I hope you are enjoying them. The Eerie Vaughn episode so cool. Getting to talk to Craig Gass and Tom Hazart with yesterday's episode is great. And we're going to go back to the well. We're going to go back to uh, Toby Wright from this year's Rockin' Pod Expo. As most of you know, last year's episode with Toby Wright sparked a little controversy with the uh, remixing of Injustice for All. And this year we solely focused on Korn's Follow the Leader, which is uh, just celebrated 20 years just a couple of weeks ago. So we broke down recording the guitars, recording the bass, recording the drums. You know, what does a producer do once an album is out and is successful? When I went all through Korn's Follow the Leader, and uh, I love that album, great album, a landmark album in their career. You know, I was a fan from day one, but uh, Follow the Leader definitely took them to heights that uh, that if you were around back then, you definitely couldn't get away from, especially on TRL and all of those shows and the, you know, fa- Family Values Tour and so much good stuff. And uh, But I want to start this episode out with... Some Metallica, since uh, Toby and I, uh, you know, we got a little trouble for Unjustice for All Talk last time. So let's check out Dyer's Eve, talk to Toby Wright, check out some corn, and then I will talk to you guys momentarily.
right, guys, we're here at the uh, Rock and Pot Expo 2018 with the great Toby Wright. Toby, how are you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? I am doing well getting to talk to you once again, and uh, hopefully we'll make a little bit more news this year like we did last year, right? Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> I got quite a response from all that. Did, uh, did you end up getting to a remix Injustice for All like you wanted to? No. <laughs> um, and the reason being is because uh, the band wants to leave history as it was and the great creative strength that we that we pulled from those sessions and you know that's it, it is what it is and they want to leave it that way and we must all respect that and i i do especially it is a great album you know no it matter, really you know, is it, no ifs ands or buts even the way it came out and the way it is today bass tracks or no bass tracks it's a uh, fantastic album right uh, the one thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is uh, is a 20th anniversary of Follow the Leader. Oh, excellent. And, um, you know, obviously Head was supposed to be here. I was actually supposed to do a panel with him, and I was hoping to get you up, too, to, to kind of reminisce right. both of you about, uh, about, about that album. But uh, since he's not here, obviously with the uh, sad passing of Jonathan's wife. Yes. Um, you know, what, what are your recollections of, uh, of doing Follow the Leader? Did I, did I do that record? I no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, uh. <laughs> uh, I remember 18 weeks of pure fun. Yeah, um, you know that would, that record was it was very different for its time because you know there was a lot going on and you know the the internet was kind of new with all the music stuff and mm -hmm. you know so they had found a way to really monetize and bring fans in to the recording space at the time. Um, and we did, you know, what we called No Work Thursdays, which was a podcast. Not Sorry, not a podcast, a webcast. Yeah, the webcast. Um, I remember that. Back in the day. And, you know, so it was live from the studio. Um, and we had, you know, it worked into various people showing up for, you know, various reasons. And, you know, because they'd be invited by the band. And, you know, it originally um, was going to be a, uh, you know, hey, watch us, you know, perform music tracks. Um, and things like that, but it more worked its way into um, a sideshow, um, which was interesting uh, into it unto itself. And you know, we'd have No Work Thursday, and we'd have that podcast. Sorry, the webcast Work going. And um, you know, then we couldn't work on Friday because it was Friday, and everyone was still recovering from No Work Thursday. And then Saturday <laughs> and Sunday were those days, and then Monday, you know, was dreary because it was Monday. Right. And then we came across Tuesday, and maybe we can get a little bit of something done. And uh, by Wednesday, we had to, you know, write for the next uh, webcast. So we got uh, not that much done in a week. <laughs> um, but I, I had a great time doing it. Yeah. And you know, I learned a lot from it, and I and I love that record to this day. Um, you know, I think it's one of my better accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that all the experimentation with Sonics that we did, um, you know, really, really paid off in, in a lot of those verses, um, you know, because of the style of writing and, and that kind of stuff. You know, there's really low support, you know, like a rhythm. It's just kind of monkey and head messing around with some sounds here and there and, you know, some ambient noises and this, that and the other. And, you know, then comes in the chorus and boom, blows right. you away. What was some of the stuff that you guys did to, to get some of those sounds on that album? Oh, man. Got the Life, I think it is, is, um, you know, some people have asked, hey, what Leslie is that in the beginning? Well, it's actually a fan and a oh, pig-nosed nice. guitar. <laughs> um, and I mic'd it in stereo, 
and it just happened to come out kind of cool, and yeah. we used it. You know, um, that was one of the weird things that happened. Um, and I was, I was just into experimenting with, you know, their tone and, you know, getting those seven-string guitars to really sing well. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it took a lot of experimentation, but I think it all blended together really well. That's one thing, like, now you have Kempers, you have, you know, amp modulators or whatever, amp, uh, whatever they're called, and, you know, you can kind of dial in a tone maybe a little bit easier, but... 20, sure. 20 years ago, those seven-string guitars with the normal cab, you know, you you would have to fight them to get a good get a good sound. I mean, how how hard was that for you back then? Well, it was you know I had to, I had a few cabinets that I had modified for the speakers, um, you know, because a lot of them back in that time couldn't handle the bottom end that we were trying to get out of it, you know. So I'd move to base cabinets yeah. and stuff like that, which, you know, obviously are, you know, equipped to handle the lower frequencies. And so, you know, when they chug on that low A or whatever we're tuned to, you know, <laughs> you want to be able to hear that distinctly, you know, and feel the bottom end hitting you in the chest at the same time. And that was, you know, part of the key of trying to get that sound, you know, was trying to get the whole sound not yeah. just the pick hitting the string or the bottom end of it but you know you needed that whole crunchy thing to be you know a part of that yeah, a yeah. part of that tone how was the was the label involved a lot i mean they were coming off of of life is peachy which was kind of a rushed album obviously the debut album is a landmark album uh you know this third album needed to be a breakthrough album which it ended up being but i mean how much uh outside input was involved in this one well it was you know when they did pre-production with steve thompson yeah um, they picked all the songs and all that and i was originally just hired to engineer the record okay um and ended up in the producer role um because of steve's you know misfortune and stuff um and so you know when that happened the management company came to me and asked me if i would you know produce and you know mix the record and I was honored, you yeah. know, and I said, sure, I will. Um, and then, you know, when we got down to the thing was done and mixing, you know, they all of a sudden Epic got involved and we're like, oh, no, we want Brendan O'Brien to do it. It's like, OK, you know, you, you're the label. You right. do what you need to do, you know, and he was on staff there. So, you know, all was good and turned everything over and, and it exists as it is today. When someone does that, is it is it just business, or or do you like, uh, or or do you feel, you know, obviously when you're in production, you're recording, you're hitting the buttons, you're you're doing the faders, you know, you want to mix it at the end of the day, um, you know, do you kind of feel like your baby's taken away from you, or it's just business as usual and you go on with life? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've done a ton of records, as yeah. you know, um, and you know. Uh, some of them I mixed, some of them I didn't. Some of them I produced, some of them I didn't. It just, you know, you get to grow a little bit of a thicker skin after a while. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you get kind of attached. You get, you know, your emotions are involved in that at that point in time. Um, if you can, you know, if you are lucky enough to mix it and you do a great job, you know, great. Mm -hmm. And But if you miss the mark, you have to be a man and or a bigger person and step down and say, well, maybe somebody else has a better, um, 
you know, a better objective view on this record. Right. Um, there was a record I did with Corrosion and Conformity um, that, you know, Pepper and I just weren't hearing ear to ear on that work, particular record. I had mixed their Deliverance record. Yeah. Um, Great and so, album. thank you. And I was, you know, but for the for the next record, Mike Frazier mixed it. And so what happened was, Pepper and I weren't hit, you know, we weren't reaching for the same knobs. I was reaching for the fat knobs. He was reaching for the skinny knobs. And at that point in time, I was like, man, it's not going to work. Yeah. We went to have a drink and talk about it. Well, in walked in that bar and at that exact time in New York, in walked Mike Frazier. And I said, I got the guy who'll mix your record for you. And, and so, you know, we walked over and I introduced him and he ended up mixing it. It's all business at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, we talked about recording monkey and heads guitars but also at the same time Fildy's bass tone is and 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 playing style is a, is a bit odd yes it is um so how how difficult was that to uh to 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 mic and to get the sounds up oh well you know i listen to life is peachy and i listen to you know a couple of their other recordings before i ever went in the studio with them studied the band pretty good uh, so I knew I was getting myself into sonically. And, you know, that was one of the things that I found a little bit standoffish about their earlier records. Yeah. Um, you know, just because of, you know, the kick drum hitting at different times than the, than the top end of the bass would hit. Right. So it kind of distracted me a little bit. And when it started happening again in the studio, I decided that I'd try and back that off a little bit, you know, to try and just get the groove going a little harder um and you know we had discussions about it and stuff and you know it ended up to what it is but you know when we were when we were tracking i would give him you know all the top end that he would like yeah um you know unnecessarily i wouldn't take that top end in into the recording um but you know i told him you know when we mix the record we'll add it back in we'll see where everything sits and we'll go on, you know, but right now I want the groove to happen and everybody to feel the music, you know, and then the guitar players especially, because yeah. they have to be on with both you guys. With the, and with Jonathan not necessarily being a, you know, a uh, virtuoso singer, you know, he's got his own style and his own, you know, cadence and rhythms and, and scatting and, and, you know, just... How different was that for you, kind of coming from what you had done to, to almost this new style of music and new style of singing? Oh, I loved it, dude. Yeah. It was very refreshing. Um, and, you know, like you said, he has his own style. Yeah. So, you know, when I was studying the band, I was studying that style as well. And so, you know, he had, uh, like, I was talking to somebody the other day about Freak on a Leash, and they're like, man, how did, they, how did you guys come up with that bridge? And I was like, which bridge, man? And he's like, oh, ba-ba-doo, ba-ba-doo, whatever the <laughs> lyric is. And then go. And, you know, yeah. and so that's one of the pivotal points on the record. So, you know, I he had started off doing what he did on, like, Life is Peachy and stuff, doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Jonathan, you did that. Yeah. Let's change it up. Do something for this record. Give me something that's new. Expand and, and expand that. That's a killer scat that you got going. But... Don't say the same exact thing every time. Let's augment it a little bit. And maybe if you're going to use it two or three times on this record, maybe augment it two or three times. Yeah. You know, and just make it fit the song a little bit more and make it exciting for the listener. And so, you know, he worked on that for a little bit, and we finally came up with what's on there. 
And then when the when the album finally came out, and obviously it's one of the biggest selling corn albums of all time, and you know obviously uh, ushered in an entire genre of music and things like that. How how were you when it you know became top on TRL every day and 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 all that stuff? I mean, how do you, what is the what is the producers what does the producer do when he does you sit back with your arms crossed like yeah I did that or you know how proud of you are of that record? I'm very proud of that record. I mean, it's one of my best accomplishments, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's one of you know the iconic records of my career, mm-hmm. and I, I'm super proud of it. I mean, I don't have a big ego about it because no. it's just work. At the end of the day, yeah. just like a construction worker or a secretary, it's they just do their work. And you know, are they proud that they typed every word on that page correctly? <laughs> Hell yeah, they are. Right, but. You know, we don't get they don't get to talk about it like at a place like this. Yeah. They don't get people who, you know, who hear it and, you know, look at the construction of a house for instance and go, Oh my god <laughs> unless it's like, you know, some Frank Lloyd Wright crazy house or something. Right. You know what I mean? So to answer your question, it's I'm very, very proud of it and you know, I just have to keep the ego in check about right. all of that kind of stuff because after all it's just a job. Yeah. And it's just music yeah. at the end of the day. Just music's a little hard, but, you know, just a job maybe. But I love but, music. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I love it like crazy. And that's why we're all here. Uh, what are you up to currently? Uh, I'm just about to put out a band, uh, sorry, a record of my band called Bells Into Machines. Okay. Um, and uh, a couple of buddies of mine are in the band, Paul Barker from uh, Ministry. Okay. Yeah, Chris yeah. Connolly from Ministry. He's singing. There's a band named uh, Yanni Jarvis out of Germany, and uh, my buddy Brian Demar, who's, um, you know, best known for his work with uh, Trent Reznor on some Nine Inch Nails stuff. Okay. Um, so it's a, so, you know, asked earlier about, you know, what kind of music is it? Well, there's only two kinds of music in our band. There's bad music and good music. <laughs> you know, this is all good music. Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, it, it, if you're going to put it in genre-specific places, it, it goes from some acoustic style type things to some heavy industrial. Okay. And uh, it's, you know, we're just seeking a distribution deal at the moment. So. And what's the best way for people to keep up with that and keep up with you? Uh, bellsintomachines.com uh, would be the best thing on that. We'll release the, uh, or we'll put out the release date soon. And then uh, to keep up with me is tobywrightmusic.com. And in the spirit of Follow the Leader, uh, what's the uh, what, what track would you like me to play off that to play us out of here? Oh, man. How about um, something that's not really played that much? Okay. Uh, what do you think? Well, let's pull it up to, to, to rack our I'm, brains here. I'm thinking let's go out with All in the Family. All in the Family. Good yeah. track. All right, Toby, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, my th- pleasure. Thanks, thanks very for coming much. Coming on last year and uh, and stirring up some uh, controversy. It's always nice to have the. Uh... I'm all about it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Take care. Oh, you get. Thank you. Say what? 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 I say what, say what?
too bad I got your beans in my bag You stuck up sucker Corny motherfucker Taking over flows as the limp Pimp Need the biscuit to save this group From John Davis I'm gonna drop a little east side skill You best step back Cause I'm a kill I'm a kill So what you thinking Mr. Raggedy Man Doing all you can To look like Raggedy Ann Check you out Punk Yes I know you feel it You look like one of those dancers From the Hanson video You little faggot hoe Please give me some shit to whack with Cause right now I'm all it kid Suck my dick kid Like your daddy did Who the fuck you think you're talking to? I'm known for eating little whiny chumps like you Whatever. All up in my face with that Halitosis is all you're rocking steady. Your little fairy smelling on your flowers. Nappy, hairy chest. Look, it's Austin Powers. I hear you tooting on the bagpipes, Clyde. But you said the best. There's no place to hide. What the fuck you saying? You're a pimp, whatever. Limp dick. Fred just needs to rehearse. Needs to reverse what he's say what, saying. Say what? When the beat's fun, you while you're playing. Ripping up a bad kind of bed. You can't eat that shit every day, Fred. Lay off the biscuit. Say what, say what? You better watch your fucking mouth, John. So you hurt me! And I hate you! You know what? You know what? It's all in my family. Yeah. I hurt you! And you hate me! You know what? It's all in my family. You up twice Throwing rhymes at me like Oh shit alright But they are ice You better run run while you can Can never fuck me up This limit At least I got a fat Original band Who's hot who's not You best step back Corn on the cob You need a new job Time to take the mic skills Back to the dentist and buy yourself a new grill Your pumpkin pie, I'll jack off in your eye Climbing shoes and ladders while your ego shatters But you just can't get away Because it's doomsday, kid, it's doomsday So I hate you And you hate me You know what, you know what It's yourself a singer, yep. you're more like Jerry Springer, your favorite band is Winger, and all you eat is Zingers, you're like a fruity pebble, your favorite flag is Rebel, it's just too bad that you're a faggot on a lower level. So you're from Jacksonville, kicking it like Buffalo Bill, getting butt-fucked by your Uncle Chuck, while your sister's on her knees, oh, waiting yeah. for your little Where'd you get that little dance? Like the idiots in Waco You're burning up in Baco Where your father had your mother Your mother had your brother nah. It's just too bad Your father's mad Your mother's now your lover Come on, hillbilly Can your horse do a fucking willy? You love it down south And boy You sure do got a burning oh, yeah. mouth
once again, huge thank you to Toby Wright for coming on the podcast once again. Love that guy. I need to uh, sit down and have more conversations with him. And uh, this year, a little less drunk. <laughs> Last year's episode was was pretty rough with all the slurring and stuff. So uh, go back, check out the original Toby Wright episode, and uh, make sure you guys are checking out all of these Rock and Pot Expo interviews. Uh, up next, we've got Ron Keel, and then we will finish out the Rock and Pod episodes with my good friend Jeremy Owsley co-hosting, and we talked to Kenny Olson of Kid Rock talking about another album that just turned twenty, and that was a Devil Without a Cause. A lot of twenty, a lot of anniversaries, a lot of album talks on this because uh, actually, I just noticed today in my Facebook feed that thirty years ago was the first Danzig album. So. And when I talked to Erie Vaughn, it was uh, his his birthday that day. So I didn't know it was his birthday. I didn't have the actual date on the first Danzig album. I didn't do enough homework, and uh, I feel terrible about it. But so far, so good, man. The Erie Vaughn episode is getting some rave reviews. You guys definitely need to check out that Craig Gass interview. That was so much fun. And uh, Tom Hazart had so many great stories about so much good stuff and... Yeah, so until uh, until I'm going to hold off until Monday on Ron Keel. So I will talk to you guys on Monday. Tuesday, Kenny Olson. Thursday will be the three-year anniversary of this podcast with friend of the show, Glenn Benton. So until next time, guys, thanks for checking it out. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell a friend, and I will talk to you soon.